Hello world and welcome to Notorious POD. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Big John Bass. It's another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by a belt nonce that is Cal. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm in a pretty good mood. Just had the John Bass special. Pie mm, and lovely chips. pie and chips. Yeah. Yeah. Pie have... and chips, lovely. Did you have any gravy? No, I didn't have any gravy. I'm uh, well. I was about to say I'm not northern, but I te- technically I'm half northern. But so, but no, no gravy. That is that is a real missed opportunity, there, mate. Gravy is the the key ingredient to the John Bass diet. It's sort of what flows through my veins in a lot of ways. So it's not really a meal without gravy. I'd have a fucking I'd have gravy on a salad, mate. That's how you really know that you're mm. that you're a true G. <laughs> uh, we're also That's joined from the chaff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. We're also joined by um, mate. Your your beard and hair is looking fresh, mate. I'm liking it. I mean, I mean, essentially, it's not fresh. It's not you know you've, you've, you're growing yeah. it out, which, but I'm loving it, mate. I think it suits you. Thank you, thank you. I'm just I'm still cutting down the day till April the twelfth, and I can go to a barber's and tame it again. But um, yeah, it's been a, been a long few months, but happy to be back. You know, just like Cal, I've got that kind of violent energy that we need in the hip-hop forum and yeah all good all good good mate good well you know we we went from uh two old geezers last week to two to two geezers this week obviously pete and baz episode last week was pretty good fun you boys you boys enjoy that yeah man yeah it was good fun it was good fun listening to those guys man yeah they were they were, they were really funny and good entertainment i uh, yeah, i said to um there's a mate of mine um tom uh, Buffalo Bill, who Cal would know him a better as. Um, and um, I think I called um, Pete and Baz the MF Doom of um, of Drill because of all the mystery around them. You know, um, do they write their bars, you know, this, that and the other. And it's all good fun. And I hope the non-English people listening to this um, kind of got what they were about. You know, I think it's really good that you added in pieces of their music to give it a bit of context. So, no, I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah, good. I, th- I thought they were. Um, I thought they were great value, and, and yeah, you're right. I wanted to try and give a bit of context because without it, it's just like two old boys, you know. Just like we're talking a load of like gangster films, and would you prefer like the bookies and all that? And I think it's you're right. It's like the mystique around them. They've sort of like created this like character, this geezer motif, and like you mix that with drill, and it's such a it's such a unique thing. It's also really British, and I really like it, and I think it's just really um, it's really good fun. They thought I thought they brought some really good energy. Um, next week we're going to have uh, Genesis Elijah is going to join us on the pod, so we're going to talk to him about he's got a new project. He's basically been releasing a new track every week, and he's going to cool. do that for the entirety of the year, which is which is fucking incredible. Um, so yeah, he's going to be on next week to talk about his new album as well that's dropping called Vision. So yeah, we're going to keep those uh, guests coming. I keep getting messages from people going, "How are you getting these bookings? How are you getting these bookings, mate? How are you getting these bookings? Like, don't don't you fucking worry about how we're getting the bookings, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're making moves, mate. We're making moves this year. Exactly. exactly. Just shut your mouth. Just worry about yourselves. Mm. Um, right. <laughs> let's get into it. We've got a packed show. We got we got loads of stuff to get through. So let's start with uh, the street report, the latest from the world of hip hop. I think the big. I think it's fair to say the biggest chat of the last couple of weeks um, has been the Ray and Ghost versus. Um, let's start with UT. What? Let, how? How much of a big moment was this uh, in recent times? Seeing because we we kind of spoke. We put Ray and Ghost up against each other, um, and we kind of it got a little bit heated the debate about it, uh, and we got to see the output. So what was what was your verdict T, on this on this versus? You know what? Confession didn't finish it, but I was about an hour and a half in 
it's over two and a half hours long, but I will, I will finish it. But it's difficult to say who won because it's just about it's just about your preferences, isn't it, really? And um, yeah. I just think Ghostface has got the better discography, so he's going to come out on top. But it just, you know, I think with lockdown, we've kind of been reunited with, um, well, in terms of us doing a podcast, reunited with what we love about hip-hop with the verses. Mm. You had um, pre-movie... Who was he against? Timbo, is it? Oh, Rizzo. Rizzo. See, so that kind of made people just remember jams from the 90s and the noughties. And, you know, you never you never expect to see them on one thing. Then you've got, like, Ray and Ghost, you know, Ghost with the costume changes. And, you know, um, Ray Kwan with the trousers, there's about 100, 100 pockets in there. <laughs> and, you know, the Rizzo appears and the Inspector Deck appears. It's just, it's just really wonderful to... Because, you know, when we... And hip-hop is not a genre that's taken seriously in the pantheon of critical music. So when people... Mm. When people say the top 10 albums of all time, um, you don't historically see hip-hop albums among them. When they say the most influential artists of all time, you don't see hip-hop amongst that. But the Wu-Tang Clan is someone all three of us have championed as one of the best groups to... One of the best collectives to ever do it. And yeah. the fact that two two guys who... When the Wu Tang Clan first came about, no one expected those two to be the ones with the most longevity. It was all about um, Method Man and ODB. It was all about those two because Method Man has his own song with Method Man on the album, and ODB was just, you know, who he was. Everyone was just focusing on those, like, you know, Jordan and Pippin, but then out of nowhere, Ray and Ghost have been the ones with, you know, the longest careers, so to speak. So it was beautiful, really enjoyable, but great memories. And I've just got so much love for the pair of them and the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, it's a mate, it's a great summation. And I think like ultimately, like if you have to pick a winner, it's just like it's just us, it's the audience. Like that yes. is fucking great. That is what we want to see. And for all the, the criticism, and we've we've been critical of the whole like versus setup, to see those two perform together and like you say the guest features, it was sublime. And ultimately that is what we want to see is like these legends performing and, and just go like taking us back in, in that way. So thought it was great. Um Cal, from your perspective, where does this whole versus thing go? Because they've kind of they've monetized it. They sold it. Um, Swiss Beats and Timbo mm-hmm. have they sold it at the right time, mate? And, what, and what's next? Like, where do they go from here? Is this still a, a functioning thing that will work? This is, you know, for me, versus is kind of a thing where it's it was created because of COVID and mm. because of lockdown and because we couldn't go to gigs, we couldn't go to concerts, so artists had to create a way to to do to be creative and to have shows and so versus is one of those things that was that was born out of that um the only thing i can i think they have sold it at the right time because it's a crapshoot now you don't know Mm. what's going to happen with it once covid is eventually over i know that america are a little bit behind the uk um, in terms of like their progress, they're, they're, they're still a fucking war zone out there. Whereas we're like, yeah, we're getting ready for it. I'm getting ready for me trim. April 12th, already booked it. Ready to pay 25 bags for it. <laughs> what, 25 grand? No, no. <laughs> fucking the, the local barbers, he's charging 22 quid for a trim. Jeez. Uh, it's not like I'm doing anything with my beard. I can't grow a beard. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah, um, getting ready for the trim. But yeah, the Americans are a little bit more behind. So I think COVID is going to be more of a factor for them you know perhaps going into next year but um i might be wrong i don't follow it too too much um but yeah so i I think it's 
the only thing I can think of is that they start to turn it into real concerts. That eventually that they start to do real concerts, but with a with a two artist competition kind of vibe to it, so, or create a TV show or a web series or something that comes out of it. Because I think that the current format is kind of suited to COVID um, and the kind of the, the, the kind of the situation we're in. Did you guys see about Dr. Dre dropping out? No, why was he? Who was he supposed to be going up against? So they didn't actually say. So Swiss and Timbo said they actually got Dr. Dre. They got Dr. Dre to do. Fuck. There was rumors about him versus Puffy, which makes sense. So they actually got him like booked or semi-booked. But then, then, then Dr. Dre saw what happened when Teddy Riley versus Babyface happened, <laughs> and the sound quality was so bad and. If you know anything about Dr. Dre, he's yeah. he's a fucking he's really particular, isn't he? He's perfectionist, especially when it comes to sound quality. So I think once he saw what happened with Teddy Riley and Babyface, he was like, "Nah, I'm out. I don't need this. I'll do it. I'll do it." But he doesn't need to do it, does he? It's not like he needs the money. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think they've done well. They've got it to its peak and they've sold it. But we'll see where we go next. It's interesting. Yeah, it's been hit and miss. I, I would say, like we've had, uh, we've had some pretty fucking classic moments um, in the positives. Like I think RZA and Premier was fucking great. I think Ray and Ghost been like universally enjoyed by most hip hop fans. And then there's been some, you know, the Teddy Riley stuff. The D'Angelo one was pretty garbage as well. I think basically just doing karaoke. I think that's the issue. Really, is like I think for either DJs or producers like talking giving us the stories behind the records and then playing the records and kind of going back to back is quite cool like i quite like that and the rain ghost things works because they they're featured on so many tracks together and again like they're giving stories and dropping gems like it worked as a nice like intimate concert but like, i think for other people when it's just like they're actual musicians and singers and stuff it it just it just doesn't work like it's not working very well so it will be really interesting to um to see what happens with that there are some um, other decent ones coming up to you right yeah, um, I mean, just to kind of close off, Cal mentioned that, um, fuck, completely lost my trail of thought. That's why it's bad. <laughs> but I do know what's coming up. <laughs> tell Earth me, tell me. Isleys and Method Man, Method Man v Redman. To that come, but Escape versus Escape versus SWB. That's it. So, right. um, there's lots. What Cal said, I remember it now, was that um, people are obsessive nostalgia. And me being in my 40s and you guys being in your 30s, is, I feel it more keenly because I'm someone who always champions new music and new artists. I could talk about Escape, SWV, TLC, Destiny's Child, Cut Close, um, Next, um, Silk, all these old school R&B groups. And I know them, I love them, they're amazing. But I, I just think that Escape versus SWV and Kishiko versus Ashanti was a case of showing that it's kind of thin, thinning out a little. And that's probably if you are an elite group, as are Escape. I don't know if, I don't think Escape have 20 cuts to compete yeah. with SWV. No. And that's where I think the issue is. If you've got artists on there that haven't got 20 cuts, then... But then, but then if R&B, more keenly, you feel the difference between what, what, what slaps in America, what doesn't slap over here. Because with, this, with Escape, for me, it was the first two albums. The first album had just kicking it and understanding. The second album was off the hook, had... And who can I run in a bunch of songs? SWV have human nature um, right here and a bunch of other songs. Yeah. But SWV 
I bend a bit big over here. So I guess as as a well, I guess as a British person, I'm kind of thinking, well, what's the point? But maybe in America, it's a, it's, it's a bigger deal. But it's starting to thin out a little bit, and people are a bit obsessed with nostalgia. And what we've got of Ray and Ghost, as you said, John, is that they gave stories talking about the purple tapes. It's going to be a documentary about Cuban links, which is just a fucking amazing story. Yeah. I just don't see what stories a lot of these other people can come up with like that. Yeah, so, so totally fair point. I mean, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because like you hear like uh, Escape versus SWV, and I, I'm the same. I'm kind of scrabbling around, going, mm, "Is there enough? Like, is there enough substance there? Like outside the sort of four or five tracks that they're kind of known for?" But then, like Earth, Wind, and Fire versus the Isleys, I'm like, "Yeah, fucking hell! You could you could find fifty tracks each. Like that's fine. Like that. There's no issue with that." But then you've got the other issue of like, how does that actually work though? Like, is that just going to be someone playing their songs or are they going to perform it? And if they perform it, how's that going to work? Like, like there's just so many, there's so many questions about like the verses that I think that they, they haven't really figured out. And so the quality just uh, differs so much and they're chewing through quite impressive artists that you get to a point where it's like, how's this actually gonna, how's it going to work? So I don't know. Um, anything else on that, Cal? Before we move on, I would be stunned if Ron if Ron Isley can still go. He's dead, age. isn't he? He's dead, isn't he? Is he still nah, alive? He's alive, he, but he's knocking about. He's knocking <laughs> about. He is alive, but I'd be stunned if he can still go. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I'm sure he. Can, I'm sure he's still firing all cylinders. I, what I mean is he had got... he had cancer at one point. Yeah, um, he was in prison, wasn't he? Or... And he was in prison for tax evasion as well. Um, so he's out of prison now, but I'd be stunned if he could go. But I'd love to see it. Um, we'll see. I'm not. I agree with you guys. I don't escape like 20 tracks. I know one of our one of the other hip hop podcasts I had said about cannabis. <laughs> like no, <laughs> fucking like <laughs> cannabis. Like no, it's 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 one track for every person that'd be watching. Ain't nobody watching fucking cannabis on a versus like. <laughs> but um. Nah, to be honest with you guys, I've said this before. The whole versus thing, it doesn't really interest me. It's not something I'm particularly. Mm. I've not watched any of them, to be honest. I've yeah. had to skim through. I've had to skim through them. Um, I saw the Teddy Riley shit. That was funny, but mm, I think it's had its day. Fair, fair, mate, fair. Um, let's talk about obviously versus is uh, Swiss Beats and Timbo thing. Let's talk about Timbo because it's his uh, this month, 49th birthday. Um. And Timbo's a, an interesting character because, in a lot of ways, like he's produced some quite legendary shit. Uh, he's been he's been uh, around for quite a long time now. So, Cal, like, what's in your mind? What's your like legacy of Timbo? Like, what, what's your thoughts on him uh, generally as a producer and, and as, as a figure in hip hop? Um, I, I think you're. I think because he's potentially a hero of yours that you're skirting around the fact that he's a massive danger and... <laughs> let me just clear something up first of all i'm not a massive timbo stan like he's fine he's fine like there's a couple of his bees i'm like yeah that's that is flames but i'm not going out on a limb for fucking another another nonce i've already got r kelly in my camp like you can only have you know if you're gonna stand for some nonces you can only have a couple can't you so i've already got jackson <laughs> and r kelly <laughs> So I haven't got space. I haven't got space. Um, 
go on then. And now everyone wants to know where these allegations are coming from. He's a let's massive. Talk, well, let's there talk was about this Aaliyah, Aaliyah thing. Yeah, because that's, what we, that's where we were getting to. That's where we were getting yeah, to. Go let's on not. Go on then. Let's give go the on. people what they want. They yeah, they right. don't they don't want broccoli. They want the fucking rose lamb. That's what they want. So let's give them the yeah. rose lamb. Go on, he was so remind me. I think he said that when he first met Aaliyah, he was like proper in love with her. Is that that? And then, but she was like a teenager and he was like an adult. Yeah. And he married, and part of the reason that he married his wife is because she looked like Aaliyah. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the quotes that were attributed to him very, very recently. I am paraphrasing slightly, um, but that's the. I'm not. I haven't said anything that he didn't say. So, massive danger. Yeah, but right. So this, I mean, there's always dangerous territory when basically someone calls someone a nonce and then you say, "Yeah, but," because <laughs> whatever you say next, it sounds like you're defending a nonce, right? So let me let me try let me try this. If you if you were uh, Timberland, right, you're in the studio and you see Aaliyah and you don't know how how old she is. You, I think you're entitled to go, wow, she's attractive, right? And then as soon as you hear that she's like 16 or 17, you immediately back off, right? Which is what he actually did, right? He, not, as far as we know, based on his statements, like he didn't make a move on her, he, he, didn't, he acted professionally, according to him, mm. right? And we have no other evidence to say that that's not true. So based on that bit, I'm like, well, yeah, like that's, that's reasonable, right? Like we've, we've probably all seen pictures of Aaliyah when she was younger and we don't know what, how old she was and gone, yeah, she's gorgeous, right? The bit that's weird and the bit that I can't believe he's admitted is that he married someone that looked exactly like her, which is proper creepy. Because then he's basically, in his mind, he's going, yeah, now I get to plough you legally. But in my mind, I'm fucking that young girl. That's the fucking weird bit. And that's the noncy bit that has got to put him in, in the nonce weird danger category. Mm. Yeah, I, think, okay. I think he's Sheffield United in the league table, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Do you want me to read you the quotes? Yeah, go on. Go on then. When I first met Aaliyah, it's time for the world to hear this. I'm going to give a little secret. I was in love with her, I said. But I'm not. She's just a baby. I'm old. I said to myself, I'm just going to be her brother. Oh, man, I was fighting. <laughs> I was fighting a lot. Oh, this is hilarious. A big war, but I loved Aaliyah. And then he said, when I first met my wife, I knew I was going to marry her because she looked like Aaliyah. <laughs> The thing with the thing with all this, yeah. Any man who says not all men and men aren't trash, and they read and they listen to what Cow has just said, so I come to me that rubbish, they can fuck right <laughs> off. Because the man is garbage. He could have just said, you know what, I'm a bigger man for her, right? Brother, end. Man doesn't have to mention the wife. Yeah. <laughs> the wife fit. You it's know, needless. <laughs> You know, I mean, you say you fancy a four-year-old and you've got to find a big woman who looks like the four-year-old and you fuck her instead. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but you, you, you know what? You, the thing is, John, I'm going to answer the question you've asked in the running order, which is, what's his legacy? <laughs> what's his favourite tunes? Yeah. I'll yeah. talk about his legacy. So um, the very, very first vinyl that I owned was Diary of a Mad Band by Jodeci. And mm. on that album featured a bit of production from Timberland and an early verse of Missy Elliott. So mm. I believe Timberland and Missy were signed with, Tim, with Devante Swing and he wasted them and they branched off on their own and then they started to produce other artists. So when I first heard this Aaliyah song, I think it might be one in a million. Wasn't it, if you got it, it was one in, a mil, one in a million. I thought, what the fuck is this? It sounded like absolutely nothing else at the time. Yeah. 
it just completely changed because the thing of um the thing of R and B back then at that time it was the golden era, but it's still very formulaic with the drum patterns and all the rest of it. And Timberland just changed the sound completely with Aaliyah and Genuine and Missy's first album. Yeah. It just changed everything, and that's what that's how I think of him. Um, I don't take him seriously as a hip hop producer. But he's done Big Pimpin, which is a song that all three of us love. He did um, did a song on a two-pack album, and I've forgotten the name of the song. The, um, Me Against the World did a track on that. Um, done stuff with um, the stuff of Jay-Z, um, further to Big Pimpin. And, mm. you know, I think his legacy is definitely safe. Um, Favourite song of his is probably Are You That Somebody by Ilya. Again, um, if you put yourself... If you listen to what came before that song or what came after, you realise how amazing that song is. It sounded like nothing else out there. And what amused me was that there's a sample at the end where he says, um, yeah, it's a baby crying, and I made that noise on my guitar. I'm fairly certain he got that from Prince on, um, on Delirious, but, you know, I'll let that slide. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Any um, any favourite tr- tunes to add, Cal, to the list? Uh, yeah. Uh, T's he was right when he said about one in a million is it's a classic record oh yeah it really really is uh big pimpin's another one dirt off your shoulder with jay-z i felt he had a lag for a while i felt that yeah between big pimpin and and dirt off your shoulder i felt that he i think in that space he was doing stuff with justin timberlake nelly Furtado. he was doing stuff on his own he did some bits with kerry hilson his music that he would make himself um under his name i was not really a fan of i wasn't a fan of his his albums or his music but i liked when you know when he did production for 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 other people and he's i think you're right what well, t's right when he says he's not a, you know an all-time great to use boxing vernacular hip-hop producer but he's a great musician he's made some great music bit of a danger but at least he owns up to it um and I just it made me think about when T mentioned one in a million. My R and B, I love R and B, but my R and B knowledge is not great. It's not up to T's level at all. Um, but I'm, I'm trying. Um, but the first time I heard one in a million, it wasn't actually Aaliyah. It was when Razel did it. Oh shit. Do you remember when Razel when Razel brought out the album? It was called MTM Two Thousand or something, and he did at his shows. He would do the beats. He was a beatboxer. For people who don't know who Razel is, he's a beatboxer yeah. basically, and he would do Godfather of Noise. Yeah, and he would do the beats and the vocals at the same time, just using his mouth. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of One in a Million. I was like, "What is this song he's doing?" It was fucking amazing, and um, he did another Aaliyah song on that as on that MTM 2000 album as well. So check oh. that out. Um, but yeah, Tim Tim's cool. He's cool. The thing with the thing with that Aaliyah album is that um, she did the first album with R. Kelly back and forth and, and all that, and that was a big part of her and her sound. This is before we kind of saw what was right in front of us of R. Kelly being awful. But so she comes up with this little known producer. And listen to them, I just didn't get it. Mm. I thought I thought it's good, but I just didn't get it. It just didn't land at all. I just kind of put it to one side. I mean, when I first one one of them, I thought this is good, but 
I just don't get it. What's the drum pad? It makes no sense. It sounds like nothing else. Because everything back then was centered around 70s soul. Yeah. That comes out. But, <clears throat> you know, the fact that Aaliyah reinvented herself under him, that's a big part of his legacy and fair fucks to him. And the stuff Timberland did with Jay-Z as well, I mean, on the Black Album, you've got to be among the best of the best to be on there. And the fact that he had a yeah. song on there, and it's as good as anything else on there, is... It's a credit to him. Yeah, it's a good shout. But hated the solo stuff. Didn't like the stuff of Tim. Didn't like the stuff of Magoo. But Love mm. Undercover of Aaliyah was a banger. And Indian Flute. Yeah, I was going to say Indian Flute. That is a fucking banger. Um, again, Magoo completely ruins it. But um, fucking the actual instrumental. Him. Fucking hate. <laughs> Yeah, I've just so I'm just um just looking at basically this uh, playlist, which is like produced by Timberland. And again, I think you're right. I think like in hip hop, yeah, fine. But just as a producer, let's say in music, right? Some of these productions are fucking sensational. So again, not all of these are what I consider like hard records, but they're just they're just iconic or classic or very popular. Pony, genuine, get your freak on, Missy Elliott, cry me a river, Justin Timberlake, like free fucking massive, Icebox, Amarian, work it, Missy Elliott, put you in the game, the game, promiscuous, Nelly Furtado, that was a fucking huge record, sexy back, Justin Timberlake, uh, what else we got in here? The, the rain, Missy Elliott. Now I know some of those um, Missy Elliott productions are also her as well on production, and, and she doesn't get enough credit for that, so I don't want to leave her off as well. Um, she's a bitch, absolute tune, Missy Elliott, one minute man. Roll out Ludacris. He produced a couple of tracks. On couple of Ludacris is really good. Um, yeah. He did, um, was it fucking Gossip Folks? I think he did that. Yeah. Saturday as well. It's a fucking banger. Oops uh, by Tweet. Bubba Sparks. Mm. Fucking ugly. Fuck yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolute tune. Like just, just quality stuff over a long, consistent period. And just one last thing on, um, it kind of sums it up nicely. Do you remember a couple of episodes back we were talking about? garage and how i got into like listening to, to ukg mm-hmm. my favorite ever garage record is a is a track by groove Chron- chronicles called stone cold and it uses this like really famous like sax sample but there's also a vocal on there that vocal is one in a million Aaliyah, just a very small sip, uh, snippet of it and like every time i heard it i'd always just be like oh what the fuck is that sample and then i just like piece the two things together and you know when you like i love both the sample and the garage um track as well so yeah fucking great um all right let's move on to one last thing before we uh, move on to part two uh we've got a new benny the butcher album and it's a sequel to some of the best work from griselda which is plugs i met this is plugs i met two um cal talk to me uh all harry fraud production mm. which is brave mm. pretty brave i thought um and I, again we see with Benny and first thing to I think the first thing to say is I liked it. I did yeah. quite like it. Um but we see once again he's not afraid to step outside of his comfort zone and work with people that you wouldn't expect him to work with. Yeah. Um now he's not you know he's not working with Nelly Furtado. He's he is he's still keeping it, you know, in the hip hop community, but you don't expect to see French Montana two chains you know, Fat Joe, people like that. Fat Joe had a, a problematic line on there. Um, What's the but, problematic line, Cal? Um, that, so I can clip it up and say that it was you that said it. <laughs> oh, right. No, it was something like <laughs> s- spread like the Wuhan virus or something. Oh, fuck it now. Grow up. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I um, just yeah yeah so I think because it was I think it was it got a bit of attention because of everything that's going on in America right now there was that shooting wasn't there with uh which affected the Asian community massively and I think it it was really really bad timing um but also just a little bit not nice um but I liked it I liked the album production was good Harry Fraud is good everything he does he, he's just a solid a solid producer um feels like he's been around forever Harry Fraud I feel like he's been around forever um but yeah i liked it it was good it was good always good to hear benny agree t what, what, what's your thoughts i enjoyed the album i'm gonna admit that the first one is better than the second but with harry ford i've heard about him in many years i think 2013-14 was when he was quite busy he's probably done loads of production since i've not really noticed um he did step out of his comfort zone to work with french montana and two chains as, as cal says but it's a very enjoyable album freddie Benny the Butchers is very, very consistent, and you know, this one he's one of the best around right now. Um, you know, he mentioned a little bit about you know when he got shot. Um, you know, he's um, but plugs uh, plugs I met part one had Black Thought and Pusha T on there. I mean, on one track as well. So my Black Thought and Pusha T on it, and I was thinking, come on, man, you're not gonna top that on part two. But part two is definitely it complements part one. I mean, it would be nice if maybe you had Conway on there. I think what we all want to see is Benny and Conway on one track, and yeah. we weren't blessed with that on this album. But it'd definitely be one of the one of the better albums of twenty twenty one, I'd say. Yeah, fair. I mean, I think you boys sum up really well. It's n- I think Benny's showing that he's um, the most kind of agile and flexible um, out of all of the, the Griselda camp in terms of what he's able to do and, and how he's able to blend with other artists. It's just a level of like versatility that I think, yeah, some people don't like it, and I get that. Like I've been there, right? There's artists that you just want them to do the same gully shit they've been doing since you first heard them. I get that. Um, but I also think I can understand it from an artist's perspective why they get bored and they want to do different things. Um, and I think this is, he's still maintained a level of quality that he, he hasn't sold out, basically. He's still made something that's probably slightly more commercially friendly, but he hasn't sold out, which is nice to see. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, again, I think the first one's better based on a very early listens of the second one but that's no mean feat to, to top that album it's, it's a great album cool all right let's go into um into part two back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid again back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid again. right so this is part two back in the day this oh, is a, stories that reference something or someone from the golden era um, again, quite a few bits. So we did. Um, we spoke about the Biggie doc on the last episode. Um, I got a story to tell. And kind of in the aftermath of that, there were loads of other stories about various different things. I know we were messaging each other, going, "Can anyone find that um, Biggie going over Africa by Toto?" Like, like scouring YouTube looking for it. Um, one of the other things that came out of it was a Biggie and Dre collab that was in the works just months before Biggie's death. T, how? How big would that have actually been? Like, what would that have actually meant at the time, bearing in mind what was going on? It would have been absolutely colossal back then. But the way in which we think about Dre now is just fucking another selfie with a, with a musician that he's done some work with. But that would have been amazing because um, it just would have answered a lot of the beefs that existed, you know, with Tupac and Biggie and, and all the rest of it. And in the documentary, they talked about Biggie going to Cali and just wanted to be cool with everyone. And, you know, he did going back to Cali on the album. And that just would have been nice if that was released back then. But 
well, it's been 24 years now, and there's been no sign of it. It seems a bit cloudy to me. Um, as an aside, laugh after death turns 24 today, so hooray. There we go. Happy birthday to life after death. Uh, Cal, any thoughts on that, mate? What, I mean, I can't imagine a world where, where people, if that had happened, people wouldn't have wanted to hear that, right? Oh, I think absolutely people would have wanted to hear it, but I think we have to remember that in 97... Dr. Dre had left with death row um, and was starting to branch out into kind of different styles of music. He wasn't making G-Funk or anything really close to that. He was he was in his been there, done that kind of era, wasn't he? He was kind of doing the, the, this weird middle of the road kind of rap, you know. And um, so it would have been interesting to hear how that sounded. I think Biggie could have... And I think Life After Death is a testament to that, that he could make pretty much any kind of music he wanted to. He could have done anything he wanted to. Um, and I think it would have sounded great because it's Big Unit's Dr. Dre. And that wouldn't have gone out unless it was up to the standards of, of both of them. And Puffy as well, who's a fucking another perfectionist. Um, so that that would have been fucking amazing. It wouldn't, I don't think it would have ended the Coastal Wars because the Coastal Wars were so much bigger than, than Dr. Dre. It was other things. It was other politics at hand that was that was going on with that. But yeah, it would have been amazing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, one thing I think about all the time, like um, about this whole kind of Dre and Biggie collaboration, when I heard it, was like someone said to me eight, like years ago, it's kind of funny that Tupac's obviously associated with the West Coast, but kind of has an East Coast flow. And Biggie has this kind of like West Coast, like more relaxed, chilled flow, but he's from the East and they're like both synonymous with those coasts. And so when you think about like Biggie over a Dre like beat, you know, think of some of those beats on, let's say 2001, because that would have probably been a little bit closer in terms of where his musical like head was at. Like, can you imagine like Biggie on like Fuck You or Explosive or like those type of beats? Like, fucking hell. That would just be incredible. So yeah, the thought of it, I guess... It's one of those things. It's a bit like in in sport, right? When a when a, a boxer's out, they get better, and or like a, a footballer when they're when they're not playing, they get better with every, you know, with every game that goes by, and their team's not doing well. Mm. It's kind of the same thing. I feel like you could you'll always just imagine the perfect album. It, I mean, it could have mm. been. I mean, I don't think it would have been, but it, it it might not have worked, right? And it could have actually like completely changed the way that both of their careers like panned out. It might it might not have actually been the the perfect match in heaven that we're all assuming it to be, but we'll never know, which is kind of sad, but there we go. Um, keeping it, keeping it West coast. And we spoke there a little bit about G funk. There's one man who, who kind of sums up West coast vocals, which of course the late, great Nate dog, uh, 10 years since he passed away. It feels like it was fucking like last year. Um, awful, awful, awful news. Um, the, the king of like, hip-hop hooks right i think that's fair to say um cal nate dog what are your what are your thoughts when when i say his name legend um i think myself and t did below the belt the other day and we were talking about marvin Haglow recently passed away and t said something about you know in this covid world when somebody passes away it, it doesn't quite sting as much but Back that back then, you know, you, you see famous people die, and we don't you know don't know them personally. And you you look at it, you think, oh, that's sad, and you kind of get on with your day. But 
I remember that that day when when Nate Dog passed away, I was genuinely gutted. I yeah. was genuinely upset that he had died because I've said it before on the pod. My house, growing up, it was a West Coast house. We were West Coast hip hop house, and one of the first albums that I was into was the Warren G. Regulate album, and Nate Dog was such a massive part of that, mm. and he was just such a massive part of of West Coast hip hop. It was almost like if you get a if you get a Nate Dog hook on your album, you've made it. Yeah. Like you, like you've got the stamp of approval, and I think Game even references it on documentary about getting a Nate Dog hook, and that he actually really wanted one. Um, and there was that guy. It makes me think actually of that Shade Shiest song. Do you remember that song? Yeah, well, where I want to be. Yeah, banger. yeah, it's an absolute banger. But yeah. he did nothing. No. He did nothing after that, and he was almost like a kingmaker, Nate Dog. Mm. It's like if I give you the stamp of approval, you have a hit. You have you have a banger, you have a hit, and then after that it's kind of up to you. And if you carry on doing bits, then I'll see you again, kind of thing. Um but yeah, man, fucking legend, absolute legend, not just of West Coast hip hop, but hip hop as you know, he was he was different. He was different because he wasn't as he was a singer, but he was like a hip hop singer. Yeah, he was hard as fuck. He was proper gangster, like Yeah. He wasn't you know, like sometimes there is this association like like r&b singers like in hip-hop it's like r&b singers are seen as like just a little bit more i, I guess just like to use the vernacular like pussy than yeah the rappers, a bit right? softer yeah, yeah a bit softer yeah. but nate dog was just like was seen in the same bracket as rappers just like yeah he's got a fucking mellow voice <laughs> like a voice of absolute silk but like you wouldn't fucking mess with nate dog like fuck that geezer was like proper g'd up um t what what, what are your thoughts like memories nate dog is so it's a mad one really because I'm trying to think of the first time I actually heard him and I keep getting my timelines mixed up. So I mean the first song he did that really blew up was I think was um Regulate with um, Warren G on um Above the Rim soundtrack. But I think the Stint Dog album predated that, so I'm kind of trying to figure my dates up. Mm-hmm. Figure my dates out. Yeah, but um that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, he had um his solo career never happened for him. He had a song in Murder's a case called One More Day which was all right, nothing to really write home about. But as this is a talented artist, he's got a massive legacy. And the, I mean, when I think of Nate Dogg, I think of him being a, an integral part of the song, like with Regulate, we had verses like going back and forth more than him just doing, Yeah, I, I've got a hose in different area codes type stuff. So I kind of wanted him to be bigger than he was because he had the, him and Snoop Dogg had, you know, the dog names. So I thought, you know, He's got to be quality because he's he's Snoop Dogg's mate, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, it's um obviously it's gone too soon, but I think his peak was probably in the nineties. I reckon. I mean, he had little, you know, he did did bits and pieces with Eminem and with Luda, but his peak for me was like um, Big Pimp and Above the Rim soundtrack, Regulate Above the Rim soundtrack. You know, various. I think Dog what was he on on the Snoop Dogg album. Uh, ain't no fun. Did, ain't no fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So shit like that, man. That's more what I think about of Nate Dogg than just doing one line and a song here and there. But yeah. no, time time flies, man. Ten years, he, can't believe it. He did uh, the two one three album, which was actually not bad. He did a song. He hit the, them as a group. They did a song called "I'm Fly" or "I'm So Fly," 
fucking Nate Dogg's local vocals on that are absolutely amazing on that song. And actually, his solo albums, not so much. He did the solo album called Music and Me, which I wasn't really a fan of, and that had Fabulous and all of that lot on it. But he actually, he did a, a couple of solo albums that I think they came out on Death Row, but they never, they didn't get the like the promotion of like Snoop Dogg and that. And one was called Ghetto Preacher, and the other one was called Prodigal Son, and it was a double disc. And I, I didn't even know they existed until I walked into a cd shop in watford and they were just there and i was like what the fuck nate dog has albums mm. and yeah i bought them and there's there's quite a few tracks on there that were pretty good he did a song called hardest man in town which is about a gun um there's another one called these days which is a banger crazy dangerous banger like he his albums were the first albums were actually pretty good the music and me not so good but legend but but music and me has got your woman's just been sighted. Ring the alarm. Ring the alarm. Dun, dun. Hey, Dupree, your woman has just been sighted. That is a fucking banger, boy. Uh, yeah, Nate Dogg, absolute hero. Um, great on features. Great singer. Great voice. I'd say he's just iconic, right? As soon as you hear him, you know it's him. And that's like one of those things that is just like worth its weight in gold. And um, yeah, just featured on loads of classic albums, loads of classic records. Like the, the legendary status is there. And I think he's one of those that... We haven't really seen anyone else like him. Like you can't. I like who is who is a who is similar to Nate Dogg that's got that like hip hop level of respect. Like there's loads of good singers that, that do stuff, but who's fucking gangster like that? Not many, but a dollar sign is probably the modern day equivalent yeah. for younger generation. Yeah, it's true. I I I, I look at Anderson Pack as almost the heir, heir apparent. Not he's not gangster. Yeah, but his music's not R and B. He yeah. doesn't make R and B like you wouldn't class Anderson Pack as R and B, but it's kind of something else. But Anderson Pack sort of geezer like can play the piano, like pull up and a guitar. Like Nate, Nate Dogg's just smoking a blunt and like wearing a fucking suit and a bowler hat. Like he's a fucking G. Like he's like, no, I don't need, I don't need all this other bullshit. Like I'm just, I'm just an absolute G. I'll just rock up and just sing my songs and fuck off. Anderson Pack's more of like an artsy. This is what I mean. I feel like. Nate Dogg quite easily could have just been a genuine like hitman or like just genuine gangster who just had an amazing voice and was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do a bit of singing. That's a, that's a bit of fun. Yeah. Whereas I'll, like, I'll have, yeah, I'll have a sing, and if anyone looks at me wrong, I'll swing a golf club at him. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I'm quite happy to smash someone up. Like, no problem. Yeah. Um, talking of getting smashed up, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's way way too harsh. Um, Five another another death in hip hop. Uh, that is really harsh because I, I absolutely love it. I don't, I don't want my mind. Oh my god! <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, I feel really bad now. Oh no! <laughs> I, I might just drop this whole no. section. I might just no. drop this whole section. <laughs> T's, I think T's like ready to be put in the ground now. Oh my god! <laughs> shit. Okay. Ignore the smashed up bit. Uh, five. Five years, five years as well. I feel like that was like last summer. Um, yeah. It's five passed away. We've just recently had some new music, like posthumously from Five. And uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to reveal this. I know from an inside source we're getting an actual posthumous album from Five. Um, I've heard some cuts off the album. I can't reveal my sources. Um, and it sounds really great. But again, this is a kind of classic example of like they're playing to the audience. They're just giving what you want to hear, like kind of tribe era Fife, which is perfect for me. Um, 
but again, I think it's another iconic voice in hip hop. It's another um, another legendary status artist that we've we've lost. Um, T, I guess I guess I'll come to you with this one. Like five for you. Like where again? Where does he stand? We talk a lot about like groups and members of groups and how they like fit in with with the rest of the kind of um, hip hop community. Like where does five rank for you in that in that setup? Is is an important cog in the tribe called Quest and an important rapper. Again, didn't do much stuff solo. I mean, it was news to me that Nate Dogg actually did solo albums. I just knew one more day, and that song was pretty forgettable. But I think Five Dog was trying to do stuff with um, Chip Fu, doing a whole kind of dance hall slash hip-hop thing. But I think the last Trap World Quest album that they did at the time when he died was, you know, his features, his, his verses are very, very solid. You know, he's just he's very an important part in, um, in the history of hip-hop because... Trap Quest is one of those groups who may not be, may not get talked about as much now as, say, an outcast, but Trap Quest are one of the best groups ever to, to ever do yeah. it, and Five Dog was a massive part of that, and, you know, he's sorely missed. Yeah, I agree. Cal, and if you, I mean, I'm assuming if this is anything, like, this is p- primed for you now to steam in and, like, just basically mug him off, um, like I did accidentally earlier. Um, what are your thoughts on Fife? Like, where where do you stand with Tribe Called Quest and and Fife and and his legacy? Yeah, it's you know I think I think people you know look at look at you know Tribe Called Quest and they, you know they think about Q Tip, don't they? Um, but each each member is as important as the last. If you take one out of them, then if you take one member out, they're not the group that they are. And Five Dog was a you know a massive part of of Tribe Called Quest and they're a legendary group they're not they're not someone that i was they're not someone that i was like completely into i wasn't massively into tribe called quest but that last album they made i loved it i thought it was brilliant um and yeah they're a massive massive part of the culture and he, he is also sorely missed as well not as much as nate dog but he is sorely missed as well <laughs> as much as nate dog from the west coast <laughs> um yeah i mean again like, i feel like we're, we're going over sort of the same ground but yeah I, like Fife again I think it's one of those voices that are just like you just recognize straight away his flow is very distinctive as well um and again it's that it's that lovely like juxtaposition in tribe between you know primarily Q-Tip and Fife and like that back and forth between the two of them just was an energy and created something that you know really was quite special um and again it's just like sad he was very ill for quite a long time mm. Uh, and obviously managed to like kind of do do music going through all of that stuff there is actually a documentary isn't there which came out a few years ago um which is literally all about the kind of last couple of years um yeah life and, Be- Be- and life i think was yeah so it's definitely worth a watch because it's quite an interesting insight into kind of q-tips a bit of a bastard which i quite liked that though in the way of like he really had a vision and like was very driven about how things should be done and you know we've seen it with like quite a lot of creatives that kind of are that way um and i think he feels a bit of guilt over like the relationship souring with fife a little bit and it's just really it's really interesting i definitely recommend um definitely recommend watching that um all right we're gonna um we're gonna get into our halftime hype track uh, it's an artist from New York called A. Delando. Uh, the track's called Hard Act to Follow, uh, Respect, and it's um, available on Spotify everywhere you get your shit. It's also going to be on our Halftime Hype playlist um, on Spotify, so go and check that out. Uh, let us know what you think. Like We've had a few now 
of these like hype tracks that we played. We've had some of the artists come on and like Jada Virgo come on and talk about the project and stuff like that. Tell us what you think. Like, I'm curious. I actually want to know because like we we try to we get we get sent a lot of stuff. And as I said before, um, if you sent stuff to us, we either haven't got to it because there's quite a lot to get through and we're all busy, uh, or it's absolute whack. God. <laughs> <laughs> so um we will get to you eventually if it's good so if you never hear from us you're garbage okay <laughs> um you know just that's our opinion um well it's mainly my opinion but yeah we, th- we think you're garbage so um but if you know if you sent something bear with because there is quite a few bits and you know we have full-time jobs and all the rest of it so we'll get to it when we can um but please keep sending your stuff if you know someone who's an artist and you know you they want a bit more recognition like make sure they they send stuff over to us um notoriouspod.com and we will check it out um all right let's get into this uh ada lando tracks is hard to follow respect Viewers advise due to discrepancies. Amnesia hits when the preachers rise to question thee. A dot plan was to never be weak. When things hit hard, I understand. I always land on my feet. Frozen with ideas, some whole heat. Keep my name out your mouth. That's not street. That's so petite. I'm from a block when niggas bitch and throw heat. Claim you married to the game, that slow flame, all I hear is cold feet. Who's phony, hood matrimony? Eat them like minestrone, they mad at the catalog of Delano and Tony. Flow slim built, yours mad bony. Want me dead or in jail, or to fail sick somewhere lonely. We ain't homies, some earn, some burn their respect. Respect, respect, you could be a fallen soldier, they could pay their respect. Respect, respect, play your position, man, play your position, man, respect. Respect, respect, for our fallen soldiers, let's pay our respects. Respect, respect, respect. OG said I spit for the warriors, got that Tupac word ethic. Two liners notorious, RIP delivery so easy. Elbow grease, slick talk, I know New York needs me. They nauseous, cause I live with kings that push horses. Chip to space, kinda awkward. The chicks think the eyes and the lips gorgeous. Be cautious. This ain't even a word, but they feel the New Yorkness. You too clean, spit it all dirty. So that was your halftime hype track. That was A Delando. Hard act to follow. Respect. Um, yeah, it's on the halftime hype playlist. Go and check it out. Subscribe to that. You can have a listen to all of the other tracks by uh, unsigned artists or underappreciated artists. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Right, let's get into part three. The choice is yours. The choice is yours is a choice between two things and why. Could be an album, could be an artist, comedian, sneaker brand, uh, you know, a legend that you want to insult, whatever it is. Um, And then we try and basically pick between the two. Now, we're going to take a slightly different approach this week because we're going to try and we're going to try and stand our ground from something we did a few weeks back. So we put a tweet out that was basically Dr. Dre versus the Neptunes, but through the lens of uh, Snoop Dogg beats or tracks they've produced for Snoop Dogg. And we, we said it at the time, this will be a landslide. Everyone will vote for Dr. Dre. So we want to give you a bit of a hip hop forum pitch as to why um, maybe there's a more of an argument um, to to vote for the Neptunes than maybe is first apparent. So uh, let's start with you, Cal. Um, 
when we put this up, like, like I said, we, we thought this was going to be a bit of a landslide. It was. It was like 85% said Dre. Maybe it was more, mate. I don't know. Um, and that's obvious, right, for obvious reasons. But why, why do we think that Neptunes should have been in with more of a shout? I think... I think a lot of the love for Dr. Dre comes from the Doggy Style album, yeah. which I imagine for most fans of his is his best work. Um, and that's fair and that's absolutely fine. And it's that classic kind of G-Funk sound, isn't it? The Doggy Style album. Um, and that's where he kind of made his name. But after that, what people have to remember is after that, he made the Dogfather album, which was okay. It was like 22 tracks that you would give three out of five. Mm. Like, it was okay. And then he just made, you know, kind of project after project where it was just kind of a bit meh. Like, there was nothing really there that, that kind of stood out. And then and then he made he made The Last Meal, and that had the song Lalo, which was another Dr. Dre track, which I know me and you both like. Yeah. Um, he made Bitch Please as well, which is another Dr. Dre track. But Dr. Dre wasn't doing much for him. And those tracks, while we like them, they weren't really pushing the needle for mm. Snoop. And Snoop's a big star. And then and then he so he needed kind of a he needed kind of a jolt, really. Um and I think I think Pharrell and, and Chad from the Neptunes, I think they helped give him that that jolt. First of all, with paid the cost to be the boss from the church to the palace and then they made beautiful which is a fucking and i've said the words today but it's true it's a classic record mm. it's a classic record it's easily one of snoop one of snoop dogs best records and i think it's it's what gave snoop kind of his second run as a as a as a hip hop star, not just you know as a top MC, but also as a as a star, it gave him that second kind of run. And Dr. Dre wasn't helping him doing that, even though he made a couple of songs with him. They didn't push the needle, and these songs did. And I I think I think the Neptunes deserve more credit than than perhaps the eighty six fourteen or whatever it was kind of mm -hmm. gives them credit for you know. Yeah, fair. What, what about you? What about you, T? What would be your um? What would be your pitch for, for for why the Neptunes maybe should have had more of a shout? I'm so happy that Carl mentioned Chad's name because I think all three of us feel strongly that the Neptunes isn't just Pharrell. Yeah. And everyone talks about Pharrell because obviously Pharrell's on the record and he's in the video. As Suge Knight famously said, "Dance." <laughs> so um. Yeah, I think Neptunes are responsible for the rebirth of Snoop. He had Vato on the Pay the Cost album. You know, the Master P era wasn't as bad as, you know, I think Time has treated that era quite well. But, you know, I think Dr. Dre has the iconic songs in terms of, um, you know, Nothing But A G Thing and the whole debut album, which is what people remember Snoop Dogg for. Snoop Dogg a dog, as he was then. But, Neptunes are responsible for the 21st century Snoop Dogg, which kind of um, helped him to be what he is now in the Just D adverts that I love, my kid loves. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, I, I think that they're both, I think the poll should have been closer, but then if you're a discerning hip-hop head, you can't be saying Neptunes over Dre. And I understand why, because we are kind of um, anchored to our our opinions on things and you can't be a 1990s hip-hop head 
and say that the Neptunes hold a candle to what Dre did. It just is what it is. But I'm speaking openly and freely, and Dre wins for me, but the Neptunes era isn't all bubblegum. There was some gully stuff on there, and I think I think Beautiful was a song that really reinvented Snoop. Vato was a good song in and of itself, but I think Beautiful and Drop It Like It's Hot was just 21st century Snoop and... Mm-hmm. Fair fucks to him. Um, I think a conversation that was had, I don't know if it was with you guys or on the WhatsApp group, was you know if Snoop Dogg died after Doggish died. What would his legacy be? What, what, mm. what do you guys think? Go on, Cal. I'll let you go. Uh, he'd be. I think he would be. I think that he would be held up with a lot of the old school MCs. Yeah, you know, I, I think. I think he'd be spoken about in the same breath as. You know, as the the Big Daddy Canes and the Rakims and all of that. Not because lyrically he's on their level, but if he would have done a one and done and made a mm. classic album, which Doggy Style was a a classic five mic, like across the board, no no fucking around, a classic album. He would be up there, spoken about as one of the greatest of all time, I think. And I actually think he is. If you know, if you had to make me write down a t- top ten, obviously, you know, on the podcast we do the five for fives on the reviews, people's favourite fives. But I think if you're talking about best, I'd have him in my top ten. And I think that's a fair shout because, and again, sorry, I'm not going to answer your question straight away, T. But like, if you're talking about hip hop hits that cross over into like, not just like mainstream hip hop, but just mainstream music and just mainstream kind of culture mm. snoop dogg is well up there like icons of hip-hop like well up there with like the jay-z's and m&m's in terms of crossover mass market appeal mm. and considering that he also has like classic albums on his um on his resume like yeah he's got to be considered like fucking top tier elite level mc if he, if he was to die i agree with cow it would be like if nas was to die after Illmatic, like they're sort of in a way they can't tarnish their own legacy it's like big right big's really got two albums and really like one that he got to to see and his status is like cemented forever because he never got a chance to fall off and to be fair to snoop like and this is why i think you know to bring it full circle why i think the neptunes should get more it should have been closer and i don't think it's as shocking as the, the question seems on its surface is they have made snoop credible again in a period where he was falling off now, I don't think he was ever, like, completely off the cliff, right? And he was never, he's never been bad, mm. but he wasn't hot like he was. And he was making just, yeah, like, yeah, who cares? And then drop it like it's hot and that whole era and beautiful, uh, ups and downs, Vato, like these, like, solid productions mm. just just pushed him into, like, another level again. Like, drop it, drop it like it's hot is iconic, that is an iconic record that you play that in any party and everyone loves it. Like it's just a, it's a massive hit. And so I think like the Neptunes versus Dre question, everyone's like, Oh, well, obviously it's Dre. We just wanted you to think about it and just give a little bit of love to, to Chad and Pharrell, because I actually think that they, they brought that second, uh, second phase of Snoop's career. That's made him pushed him into that pantheon of like top tier crossover artists. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go into the questions. Cause we've got a shit ton. Um, first one um, from Dom Senor. Uh, why does everyone hate Macklemore? <laughs> what I like about this question is he's framed it like in such a funny way. Why, why does everyone hate Macklemore? 
who is he and what did he do? <laughs> um, T, do you want to start with that? Uh, I've not listened to Michael Lamar, but I think it was the Kendrick Lamar um, Grammy thing that yeah. kind of poisoned people against him. So he's, I mean, just for just to answer the question fully, like white rapper makes, I'd say like poppy hip hop, um, nothing to write home about and wins the Grammy instead of Kendrick Lamar. So now everyone's fucking livid. So that I think that's a fair summation of his entire life and career. Is that fair, Cal? <laughs> it's yeah. Both of you have absolutely nailed it. I would like to talk about Grammys at one point. Um, I don't know if we've got time today, but maybe next time because I've got a real beef of it. Yeah, um, yeah let's definitely do that because yeah, not maybe not today. Let's let's do it as another subject because there was yeah. a lot of stuff that came out of the last Grammys and loads of stuff to to come out of it. And actually, maybe on that. Um, one of the other questions we had, which was about, you know, we saw a lot about Freddie Gibbs um, at the last Grammys kicking off. Um, and obviously we, we kind of talk about Coke rap quite a lot on this, on this pod. Um, who is the king of Coke rap? Cal. Oh God. I love that question. I love, I love that question. I don't know where we got it from, but it's a great question because every, every, <laughs> For a period of time, every after kind of like the gangster rap era where everyone was claiming a set, every rapper was claiming they cooked crack or were a coke dealer or yeah. didn't they? Like every rapper was, they were talking about Pyrex and baking soda. Like it became part of the vernacular of hip hop. Yeah. Like every rapper was doing it if you're whether you're rick ross or fabulous or little bow wow you had cooked coke at some point like it just it was the thing but this is this isn't about this is about who but it's not about people that mention coke in their raps it's about rappers that it's a part of their identity cocaine is under their fingernails um i think gibbs is in the conversation I think Ricky Ross is. I think Ricky Ross is in the conversation. I've just finished reading his book. Um, I don't believe him. Don't think he ever cooked a gram in his life. Um, but so I'm not going to say Ricky Ross. I'm going to say Gibbs, or I'm going to say Pusha T. I'm going to say Pusha T. Interesting. T. It's hard to look outside those two, really. Um, it's definitely those two. I think. Pusha T is probably one of the first to do it, or one of the earlier ones to be successful of it. Anyway, him and him and Rick Ross, but it's probably Gibbs. It's just a case of um, the thing with Gibbs is that he's had a couple of misses, but when he hits, he hits fucking massively. Yeah. Pinata, Bandana, and uh, Alfredo are three of the best albums in the last ten years, and they've both been heavy with that theme. So you've really got to got to say him really. Fair. I'm going to come at it from a slightly different angle, which is like, if we're talking about the best tracks, or best artists that produce tracks that are about being the king of coke and the king of like crack and rap, Ten Crack Commandments by Big is the best rap, is the best track about crack. And yeah. he was a crack dealer. So I'm going to just say one of the most obvious choices of all time, um, Biggie Smalls is the, co the king of coke rap. He probably you know, has got to be up there. It's like that record is a landmark in in coke rap history i fucking lived by that fucking song mate I, I actually 
my life when I'm thinking about things in my life I generally I think about that song I don't think about I don't think about selling cocaine or cooking cocaine it'd be nice to do it once just to see what it was like like let's go on let's you know what I mean it's like hipsters they like they go and learn how they go to like cocktail making classes and shit like that right it's the kind of thing micro breweries micro breweries I'd like to go to like a yeah like a basement and learn and cook crack just once just to see what it's like you know i feel like that's a um like a sketch where it's like in like <laughs> in east london somewhere it's like yeah bro like gonna do the full crack experience like yeah. c- come down to our like disused warehouse bro we're gonna learn how to cook up and they're all there and it's just like getting into the it's like a microbrewery for crack it could definitely work mate it could definitely work mm-hmm. um all right let's go into the next question this is a question from john brady regular listener and this is this was his full question right i'll read it out How's it going? Thanks for answering my question a few weeks weeks back. I promise I won't mention those subhuman scum over at Crate 808 ever again. Up <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> your mum, Abbott. Because <laughs> we, we went in on Cam and the boys because he because he basically said, like, oh, yeah, I was listening to their episode. We were like, fucking don't you ever mention them in our, in our presence again. Um, but seriously, if you want to check out, uh, there's a new Ray and Ghost versus pod just dedicated to that versus on uh, crate 808 great episode go and go and check them out um he's put another question please so say there was a hip-hop version of the rider this is a fucking great question say there's a hip-hop version of the rider cup usa versus europe um and he's put for this let's just say the uk who would be your team of 12 dead or alive any era and one captain for each side the UK team can pick from Grime too. That is fucking epic question. Amazing question. I think we've got to dedicate our part to it on the next pod because we've got to pick 24 ratters, man. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, what we'll do then? So but we'll definitely, that's going to be the next running order. So there'll be maybe part one of the street report yeah. and we'll have 12 by then because, by the way, we're taking Slick Rick and um, 21 Savage. Not that we're going to pick 21 Savage anyway, but we're taking them because we need people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're de- we're definitely taking Slit Rick. I mean, that's that goes without saying. Twenty. did drill, so we're taking two because we need people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll take what we can get. We'll take what we can get. Uh, I think we got enough. I think we got enough about us. Um, we also uh, we actually put this out as a as a tweet and on um, and on our Insta, which was a tweet from uh, Shay Serrano about. What's the most recognisable single sound in all of rap? Something that you could hear for half a second and know exactly what it is and where it's from. Something like the horn in Flavour in Your Ear or that wonky string in Still Tipping. Um, such a good fucking question. And we had so many good replies. Um, yeah. You know, there was one that was like the the little um, the little radio noise at the start of Dead Prez Hip Hop. Like, that's one for me. As soon as I hear that like little kind of rustle, I'm just like, yes. fake, fake. Records, yes. records. I'm like waiting for that, and I'm like, yes, fucking sick. Um, there, there were loads of good ones. It's a great question. Any for for you boys that stand out, um, Cow? Any any that were like pop into your head that'd be like, yeah, as soon as I hear that, yes. Yeah, I think the, you, you say that about the kind of the radio sound. There's a there's one for there's a Snoop Dogg track as well. I think it's on the Dog Father. Um, what is that called? It's really misogynistic and really disgusting, and that's partly why I love it. Um, but yeah, there's that. I think the the bottles on Flavor in Your Ear when Puffy's the got the bottle, the remix. Thank you. Um, where he's doing the bottles and he's doing the Warriors, 
come out and play but you're saying bad boys come out and play eh? um so i think yeah the bottles and then obviously these days all the producers have a signature now don't they they all have a signature yeah it's like maybach music like harry fraud has his has his little sound um they've all got their own little signature now but the one that the ones that stand out to me is the the bottles on flavor in your ear remix i would say how about you T? um just gonna say we had a few answers to the post on instagram just gonna try and read a few of them out um, ry- rhythm and booze says the horns and the reminisce over you the snare and sample and shook ones part two yeah um 23 sure. hugo b so simon says nothing but a g thing which is amazing um the Human Nature Sample in Ain't Hard to Tell by Nas. TL underscore photos 1886 Guna, but we'll allow you. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's still there's still a Dre intro. Uh, myself, Cal, and Alex, friend of the pod. Um, when we go to boxing and see you, Bank Junior, and he comes into yeah. and, that, and that intro oh, comes on. Bang, bang. Yeah. yeah, we just know straight away. Um, oh yeah, um, Pivs84, another keen listener and follower of the, of the Instagram account, says... Um, the intro to grinding and yeah that's absolutely a good shot for me it would be the intro to super thug and then the helicopter the helicopter yes yeah. sick it's, it's got to be the helicopter for that um that absolutely stands out there's this fucking shit there's a lot of them is from from routine and even um protecting like, the little radio bit at the beginning it says yeah. you know routine again and again and again oh yeah um, again and again triumph the intro, and then you know, especially that comes in. It will be mainly. I mean, as Cal says, a lot of the producers now put the name at the beginning, so it kind of makes every song a bit generic. But in in mid nineties hip hop, even um scenario, we go ding 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 ding. Then you know, then the hook for scenario comes in. Yeah. You go mass appeal with you know the primo bit at the beginning. So it's. It's very much a 90s based question, but it's an amazing question, and the plethora of answers that we had were all great. Yeah, so it's such a good question. I actually didn't think, like, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that record, that record, that record. And then when there was people putting in their like, answers, I was like, this is such a cool topic because yeah. it's one of my favorite things. Like, when you're out and about and you're like at a hip hop night, and you like you hear either like the DJ just chops in like a little bit of the next record, yeah. or you hear something you're like, oh, that's gonna be this, and then it drops. You're like, fucking knew it. I love that shit. Yes. And like this yeah. is basically that exact topic when you're like, mm, that's going to be shook ones, and you're like, yes, yeah, fucking nailed it. Uh, great, I love that. Uh, we had another one from uh, John Brady, which was, uh, where is it? Here we go. <laughs> this really cracked me up, so I thought we've got to include this. How many times did LL Cool J lick his lips between August 98 and May of 04? I wonder what the relevance of those dates are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But that's why it made me laugh. Because it's like, why is he, why is he picked that? So who's, good at, who's the best at maths out of the three of us? We can work this out, right? So if we, if we work from, let's say, August. So what's that? The 8th. So we've got 9, 10, 11, 12. So we've got four months left of... <laughs> Of 98, right? Now, let's say let's say he's licking his lips. What? How many times a day? Like two or three you, times a day? How many times no. an hour, though? Yeah. More? In an hour. Is that, it's awake for, say, 16 hours a day. Right. Who's got a calculator? Cal, you put this in the... You start working this out on the calculator. 
Right. All I would say is LL Cool J made four albums in that time. Okay. Right. He made, he, so. So maybe that was it then. Release of the first one. Definition came out in 2004. 10 came out. 10 was a very Licking Lips album. Massive. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Then the GOAT, the GOAT album is 2000. Um, 1998. Yeah, that so, so it's yeah. free. It's free, actually. It's the GOAT 2010, 2002, Definition 2004. We'll put... And 10 was a big Licking Lips album. Say <laughs> say he licked his lips. Let's say he carmexes his lips, right? And so he doesn't lick them as much as people that don't carmex their lips. Let's say he does it five times a day. But he's LL Cool J. Exactly. So multiply that at least a couple of times five, five. 65 <laughs> so i think he does i think he does it probably 25 times a day plus because he's made three albums in that time he's making music videos so he's got to lick his lips a lot for the music videos and there's going to be outtakes so he's got to do it even more true i i think he might have licked his lips about 4000 times in that time <laughs> So what are you saying? You're working this out? You're working out on a on a I was going I was going to, but it's like when um Foxy Bun and that on that, on that firm track when you got the maths all wrong. Mm. I had the maths set up and then Carl just went a bit weird on me. Yeah. Twenty five times three sixty five times six is what I would have done. Going all Rachel Riley here, but I yeah. do like Corbin and like her, but I'll do it anyway. So, <laughs> so twenty five times a day times three six five, which equals right. that. Is it six years? Six year period. Not the age of two thousand and four. Six year period. Yeah. yeah. Fifty-four thousand seven hundred and fifty. <laughs> oh, there you go. A lot. So there I said you 4, go. Four thousand. It was shit more than that. Right, T. Can you keep that number written down? Because that's going to be the title of the pod. <laughs> I can't find it now. I'll put it in the group. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Let's um. Let's go for a few more. Um, Bardi, our very own Bardi, THFC on Twitter. Harry Mack, a YouTube gimmick or a real hip-hop talent? There was some back and forth I saw from a few different people talking about him. Um, Harry Mack, for those that haven't seen, is basically just like a freestyler. So he will just like rock up on the street and he'll just rap about people as they walk past and freestyle and he keeps it quite nice and it's all top of the dome stuff. Like proper, there's a guy in a shirt over there in the dirt, just like picking up on people's shit. And then he's been on like radio and they've like handed him objects and freestyled and stuff like that. It's cool. It's fine. I don't personally find it like particularly impressive. I I find it like one of the easier things to do. I think writing something is a lot more complicated and difficult for people to do. I think just essentially rhyming, which is a, should be a more basic fundamental. It's kind of surprising how many good rappers can't actually freestyle off the top of the dome very well. He does it very, very well. I do think it's a bit gimmicky. Like I don't know if he's got his own music. Um, I wouldn't personally choose to listen to it. I don't know if you boys have got any other differing opinions. Uh, um, so How's I, your face, mate? You you look literally disgusted at this question. I, I am because Bardi. He's just. <laughs> I hate it when he tries to talk about rap. Like he 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 thinks Coolio is like fucking underground hip hop. Like, and I love that man dearly. He's one of my top five favorite people in the world because he's just a scumbag, and I love him for it. Um, I have no idea who this person is. Okay, fine. Well, I, we, that says it all. That says it all. T, any thoughts? It's just a different skill set. It's a bit like when you watch freestylers in football and you think, I wonder what they'd be like in Sunday League. It's just 
it's a different skill set, but it's one of the elements of hip hop being able to rhyme. So it's good that he's kind of keeping it alive in his own way. Uh, I guess the parallel with that, someone who um, I believe me and yourself back, um, John, maybe Cal too, is um, Duran Bernard, mm. who would do like um, random songs on YouTube, but just, you know, put his own lyrics in there. And his album's amazing. So maybe Harry Mack might be using this as a means to True. to get himself out there. There's a lot of, you know, me and Cal do the boxing pod and we talk about how boxers self-promote themselves. This is an example of someone who's probably gone off their own back, gone viral and got a bit of a following. And maybe with that, he'll make an album that will go further than it would have if he just went down the writing route. It's just like, you know, it's... It's a good skill to have, and it's good to kind of remind people that freestyling off the top of the dome exists. You know, when you've got people like um, Royce and Black Thought who do written stuff for 10 minutes and get applauded, yeah. it's good to see someone who was almost literally doing it off the dome. So he probably is hip hop talent, but it's one of those things where um, it's, it's one version of what makes you a rapper, it's not everything. So it may be nice that, I, that someone can hit the crossbar from from fifty yards out, but can he, you know, control can he control the game in his own area? Whether he's a right back, can he control the right side of the pitch? Yeah. If he's central midfielder, can he dictate the tempo of the game? You know, it's different skill sets, so it's one of those. But Harry Max has got his own place in hip hop. Hip hop is not a monolith where you have to have five classic albums to be respected. He does his own thing. He's got his own audience and. Hopefully he capitalizes off the back of this and releases a good album that, you know, dissenters such as yourself, John, and his fans who love him anyway, appreciate the album as well. Yeah, fair, mate, absolutely fair. And um, and you're right, really. It's like there's a, there's a place for everyone uh, in hip hop with different different skill sets and you can appreciate it for what it is. And let's see. Let's see if he drops something decent and um, we'll, we'll have a listen. We'll review it. And if it's decent, we'll say it's decent. Or we'll probably just lie, even if we love it, and just say it's shit because it's you know, shit because it is shit. You are shit. Yeah. Um, your mum's shit. Um... <laughs> <laughs> old... Damn it, Rhino. Our old shit mum. Jamie Redknapp. AIDS. Billy the cunt. AIDS. Billy the cunt is the one that gets me. Minch and bracket. <laughs> Minch tastic. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, you got loads in your pipe up. Oh fucking hell! If, for those who haven't seen it, Afterlife by Ricky Gervais, the outtakes is fucking gold. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, right, we had loads. We've got loads of other questions, which I think we're going to save. We'll park them. We'll do them next week. We had questions from. Um, my name is Mavi. We'll get to yours next week. Grant Sharples. We'll get to you next week. Uh, who else do we have in here? Some other questions from uh, Mark Stowell. We'll get to you next week. So we'll, we'll get to these questions next week. And we're going to come with John Brady's question about um, the Ryder Cup. Cup. The Rough Ryder Cup. Oh, I love that. shit. Yes. yes. Because Rough Riders were worldwide. There you right. go. What is that? I've, ri- I've written down eight rappers. We're oh, shit. So we will, um, we'll be back to answer all those questions next week. Um, for now, though, Cal, thanks, mate. Been a pleasure. That's all right. Anything to plug? New Below the Belt? Yeah, man. We did episode 100. Timeless content. Timeless oh, content. Episode 100. Fucking hell, Super that's great. So if, you like, it, if you like boxing, go and listen to Below the Belt. Um, T, pleasure as always. As always, as always. Um, I've started using Snapchat now. Same name as IG and Twitter. So 
if you want to follow what I post on there, it's Thelonious Filth. Pretty much the same as what I post on um, IG, but maybe if you don't use, maybe you're underground and you use Snapchat to perv on girls, then yeah, I'm on there. <laughs> For the same reason. Yeah, we see. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to give T one more shout out. You're rocking a Desmond's t-shirt from, yes. the, from the 90 show, and it's fucking sick. I love that. Absolutely, so much, it, mate. Yeah, serious vibes. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Next week, Genesis Elijah's coming on the pod. Um, so I look forward to that. And then we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another Hip Hop Forum. Uh, if you like the episode, please rate and review, leave us reviews, all that shit, normal stuff. Uh, if you want to submit your music, uh, notoriouspod.com. Uh, new article dropping from James Holder, who does our hip hop articles, dropping tomorrow. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And get ready for the next episode. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Notorious P.O.D., a hip-hop podcast. This was a hip-hop forum episode, so a special thank you to Cal and team for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love. At Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D, house. Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist, so if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.